0: Paul is your Bible teacher today. He has years of experience as a pastor, seminary instructor, and more. Later you will be given information how to reach us. If you have questions you would like addressed, let us know. Maybe you have a need in your life and want to know how the Bible gives answers that apply to us today, feel free to contact us. Now enjoy the lesson.
1: James, by the way, very well knows, and you might know some too, the arrogant, superior attitude of people who are wise in their own mind, in their own conceits. Can you think of somebody who's probably coming across your thoughts right now? You're saying, ah, I know somebody who believes that they are wise, that they're the smartest person. They really think they're somebody. But people who are truly wise are humble, are gentle, are meek. Those who are truly wise are going to show it in that gentleness they humility, the meekness, the specific acts of an obedient virtue in life that make up that whole lifestyle that honors God. And that's what he's speaking about here. Now, I want us to take a look with this in James, and, the, and I want us to kind of pull this together so that we can apply it into our lives, maybe in a broader way. And before any of us can claim spiritual wisdom, perhaps we ought to have the warning. Isaiah 5, 21 says, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. So let's go back here in James 3, because look at verses 14 through 16. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there that false idea. So worldly wisdom is unfulfilling. And if we look at it in our own lives, and we see that false wisdom compared with true wisdom, or worldly wisdom compared to spiritual and divine wisdom, these two are in conflict. And that's what James is telling us. So we look at our own lives. We determine what is the greatest possession But spiritual wisdom, so we want to follow after, in this contrast, we want to follow after spiritual wisdom. We want to first recognize that false wisdom, as it's laid out here, and James is analyzing worldly wisdom, false wisdom, and just read through the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon, the wisest man of the world. And what does he say? It's all empty. It's all vanity. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. It's all empty. This world, all it has is emptiness. You can't wait until you get some great thing, some great toy, some new thing. And then when you get it, it's like, it didn't meet the need in my heart. But when we seek after wisdom, it meets the need in your life. It meets the need. Otherwise, it's just vanity. So worldly wisdom, false wisdom, is unfulfilling but it's more than that. It's more than just unfulfilling. And it's more than just natural and not spiritual. And therefore, it doesn't deal with the dimension of man's heart. The greatest hungers that we have to know God, human wisdom, it's more than just unfulfilling. It's wickedly negative. That's what James is telling us here. Well, I think we're going to see that. So first, in verse 14, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, Do not be arrogant, and so lie against the truth. Now, here we have the motivation for false wisdom. The motivation for false wisdom. Why do people want wisdom? What does he say? It's because of jealousy, selfish ambition, arrogance. It's a selfish motivation. The little phrase there in your hearts tells us that he's talking about the motivation here. He's looking at that, he's saying that if you have bitter jealousy, selfish envy in your heart, that's the seed of the emotion. That bitter jealousy, and that word here, bitter, is used of water. Harsh, bitter, that's the exact idea. Something that uh, you, you take in and it's it's sort of self-centered. A self-centered individual who's resentful of others. And he's not pursuing wisdom to elevate others but to elevate himself. It's self-focused, it's resentful of anyone who's going to threaten its territory, its accomplishments, maybe the reputation. Then he even says that selfish ambition, personal ambition, and that's a party spirit. The Greek word here for rivalry or for prideful selfishness, the word originally meant to spin. It came from women that were taking and spinning thread so that they could sew. That's where the word originated. And then it came to mean any work done for pay. Then it's kind of evolved. That word came to mean that any kind of work for yourself, whatever you could get out of it. That's what I'm trying to say. Any kind of work simply for what you get out of it. And then the word finally evolved into selfish self-aggrandizement. So there are people who want to pursue wisdom for their own selfish reasons, Out of bitterness, bitter jealousy, they want to ascend above someone else, or maybe it's just plain arrogance. But it's not of God. It's selfish. It's self-centered. It's ego-fulfilling. And it is the personal gratification at any cost. It lacks selflessness. It lacks meekness. It lacks the gentleness that we talked about in verse 13. And so this proud, selfish motivation for life became that motivator that pushes so many people to pursue the natural earthly wisdom. And that's why he says in verse 14, do not be arrogant. The idea here is because you've attained natural wisdom, because you have attained a certain amount of worldly wisdom, don't become arrogant. You have nothing to be arrogant about. You can't gloat over others as if you were somehow superior. Then he adds, and so lie against the truth. The matter of fact is, while you can arrogantly claim to possess wisdom, you're lying because you don't have true wisdom. If you have this kind of wisdom, and I think about this so often, and when I look at our world, our world that is literally maniacal, And it's belief that education is the answer to everything in the prison system. They say, oh, if we could just educate everybody, they will come out and do well. Well, there's some little bit of truth. But what I found was when men came to know Christ, they didn't go out and reoffend. When they came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ, it wasn't the liberal education that they got. It was the understanding of now I'm going to live for Christ and their lives are changed. So that's why he says, don't lie against the truth. The matter of fact that we can say that we have wisdom, but it's not. And if we think that people can become sufficiently educated and that all they need to do is have a better education and then our world is going to be fine, watch out. You hear people all the time say, well, the problem in our world is people just aren't educated enough. They just don't have enough worldly wisdom. The former president of Yale University, Alfred Griswold said, the source of better ideas is wisdom and the surest path to wisdom is a liberal education. Well, that's the illusion of our society, that people can pursue a secular information and they can attain true wisdom. But what secular college is it? What university dispenses spiritual wisdom? Where can you go to get spiritual wisdom? In any of our secular schools, who's going to give you that kind of information? They do not have the goal to disseminate spiritual wisdom at all. They don't want to shape your life in its spiritual wholeness. They don't want you to know that you can come to Christ. Now we do have Christian schools, that that is their goal. But the wisdom that is not born of God out of the rivalries, of the party spirit, the arrogance, the boastfulness, and the pride, the self-aggrandizement, and wanting to succeed, wanting to excel, and the jealousy, the rivalry. All of that catapults people into the pursuit of these things to ascend to fulfill their own ambition. And when they get there, in their own eyes, they think they're wise, and they're arrogantly parading their wisdom, but in fact... They're lying because the truth is that they are not wise in the truest sense. They claim arrogantly to possess wisdom, but they don't. they don't have God's wisdom, not true wisdom. And so the second thing that James points out in verse 15, this wisdom does not ascend from above. It's what he's telling us. This wisdom doesn't come from above. This wisdom that the world has, it isn't from God. It has three basic elements. What does he say? It's earthly It's sensual. It's demonic. That's the place where it's come from. Boy, what a statement. Very specific to the wisdom of man. This wisdom does not come from above. What does that mean? It doesn't come from God. It doesn't qualify as divine wisdom. It doesn't qualify as being called spiritual wisdom. And it does have some function in this life on this natural level. That's why he calls it earthly. Things on this earthly plane. But it does have some function in that sense. Notice that it says that it's earthly. It's sensual. It's demonic. When it says that it's earthly, it means that it's limited to this earth. That's the extent. Limited to time and space. Its extent is limited here. It comes from, it's limited to the fallenness. (laughs) To the place of the cursed ground of this cursed earth. To the fallenness of creation. This plane. It's limited to a, a finite system of unregenerated men who do not know God. It's a wisdom without spiritual illumination. It never rises above the ground. That's what I'm trying to say. I guess I could have just said it that way. It, it never gets up higher. It goes no higher than the mind of man. It has those limitations. And so man expands and expands his earthly wisdom and he never gets above ground level it never learns the life transforming eternal divine truths of spiritual wisdom and sadly it says that it is sukeke soulish sensual pertaining to one's life whenever the word is used in scripture it speaks of the responses of the natural man sukikos man in the natural sense the sensual man the man with a fallen mind hi let me interrupt for just a moment and update you with some information. You can now contact us at schoolofministryresources.org or biblelandmarks.com. We also now live stream services on Stockton all one word, .com. Or you can see us on Facebook at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church of Stockton. We look forward to hearing from you. We would love to send you information. So thank you, and back to our podcast. And so all of human wisdom, all of sociology, human f- philosophy, psychology, all of the things that man has tried to put out as wisdom, all of the above wisdom is purely humanistic. Has a limit, has a place but it's humanism it never rises above the ground level again it applies to the natural world because that's all that they can conceive it can only touch on a natural level it can only be conceived on a natural level it can only stimulate on that level because from man's fallen unsanctified heart the unredeemed spirit the result is it's sensual not spiritual that's the response so thirdly and it's quite interesting fascinating it is demonic by the way these three things parallel the world the flesh and the devil it's from the devil it's demonic that is an adjective that's used only here in the new testament james is the only place this is the only place so what is he saying well as to its source it comes from demons Demons are involved in it. It proceeds from evil spirits. And why would I say that? Well, that's what Scripture says. Because Satan is the prince of the power of the air and the ruler of this world, this system philosophically, this system sociology, and in its religious uh, religiosity, can I say, or on a social level. The demonic, the natural, the earthbound wisdom never touches God. So it never really touches the spiritual truth. It never takes and lifts you higher where you should be. So the result of false wisdom is found in verse 16. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. That's what takes us back to the motivation. Now let's get back to where it all starts. There's two motivations. Jealousy and self-ambition. That, what's that going to produce? Well, first of all, it's going to produce disorder. It's a very strong word in the Greek. It literally means disorder comes from instability. At times, it's used in the book of James. It uses it two other places. Remember where it says the double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. That's the same word. He's uncontrolled in his tongue, in his confusion, in his disorder, chaos, confusion over and over again. So instead of producing harmony, instead of producing intimacy and love and unity and fellowship, the worldly wisdom brings chaos, disorder, confusion because it never reaches and touches to the divine, what's supernatural, what's godly, what is spiritual. And he says, as a result, it comes out, what? Every evil thing. That's an interesting translation, because it's a difficult and it's not able, we're not able to translate it word for word here, but it is from the word phallos or phalloi, which means useless in the Greek. Solomon says it is vanity, it's empty, it's useless, it has no, at its very best, it's worthless, at its worst, it's vile. So it's not looking at what it's going to produce in us and the aspect of just being passively and malignantly, the wickedness that comes by accepting worldly wisdom, we don't even recognize That the point of human wisdom produces absolutely nothing in our lives that is of spiritual value. Now you can ask the question, and you look at the world around, and we are wiser. I believe those in the church here are wiser than those around the world. And we, in this world, consider this world says that we are now wiser than any of the former generations. We have a higher grade of technology, than we've ever had. We have a greater education and greater educational ladder. It's almost inconceivable. You can study anything now. It's all available. But we are as much like animals as we've ever been. It's a dangerous world. It's almost inconceivable to think that with all of the great things that this society has reached out and has done, how low we've fallen. We're a vile, wretched and wicked As we've ever been in this world. Human wisdom never touches that sort of thing, does it? None of that. It can never be. I'm across in our universities across the world, all of the great thoughts and great teachers that may be there does not change a man. Never. Doesn't change on the basis of that because it's purely earthly, sensual, and it's orchestrated by a demonic orchestration and this world system that Satan is ruling over and the result is an evil thing, chaos. That's human wisdom, human wisdom. And so what's so silly is that people boast about it. People, they don't really have a clue that they're lying against the truth. Enough of that. Let's look at true wisdom. Let's bring it down because verse 17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. What are the characteristics? It's peaceable, it's gentle, it's reasonable, full of mercy, good fruits, unwavering, without hypocrisy. I don't want to beg those words because they're very clear. Peaceable means just what it says, promotes peace, peace peace-loving, gentle, and by the way, it's the most untranslatable word. Because the idea is so great, it perhaps has a greater idea that there's no way that we could quite correct it. The wisdom is a corrective. It speaks not only of a desire to step in and correct it, but it steps in and corrects in gentleness in our minds, in our hearts. It knows how to forgive. In fact, some have translated it with kindly consideration and a tenderness. So thirdly, true wisdom not only a peaceable and gentle spirit, but it's reasonable. It means that it's literally willing to yield, full of mercy concerning those who suffer, concern for all those who fall. It manifests itself in giving. This is the word. It's an acts of pity, compassion for those who suffer. It's like the mercy of God. Then he says, it's full of good works. It's beneficial in its effect. Good fruits means good deeds. That all of those things are going to be brought out in such a way that they are producing what's good. Wisdom is the creation of God. Let me just kind of sum it up like this Wisdom is the creation of God, and that's why wisdom is personified in Proverbs 8. And The seed of fruit, of of wisdom, is righteousness. It's sown in peace. It makes peace. We become the peacemakers. Those that are wise, they're putting these things into practice. And so we see that wisdom is going to come from God. God is the only wise. When we are seeking wisdom, we're fearing God. Because we recognize God is the giver of wisdom. That's why in Proverbs 8... His personified wisdom, the Lord possessed me at the beginning of His way. Before His words of old, from everlasting I was established. From the beginning, I love that. As long as there's been a God, there's been wisdom. The Lord possessed me. I belong to Him from the beginning, from the earliest times of the earth. When there were no depths, I was brought forth. When there were no springs abounding with water. Before the mountains were settled, before the hills, I was brought forth. While He had not made the earth or the fields nor the first dust of the world. When he established the heavens I was there. When he inscribed a circle on the face of the deep. When he made firm the skies above. When the springs of the deep became fixed. When he set the sea and its boundaries so that the waters should not transgress his command. When he marked out the foundations of the world then I was beside him as a master workman and I was daily his delight. That's Proverbs 8 beginning verse 22. Wisdom has been with the Lord. It is God. And God in eternity past had wisdom. If any man lacked wisdom, let him seek of God, James. Let him ask of God who gives liberally and he doesn't hold it back. God is the source of wisdom. To know wisdom begins with a right relationship with God. And then we see that in knowing God it brings about Our life of obedience. That's where I want to close. Because all of godly wisdom. Brings about a relationship. And we might just wrap it up like this. When you know God. You fear God. You have reverence and honor for him. And you obey God. That's how it all comes about. That's how we see it. That God is bringing these things about. So that we can have wisdom. Because we have. The fear of God. We know Him. We love Him. We honor Him. We extol uh, our great God. This world, and I probably went through too much to stop talking about worldly wisdom to contrast it with godly wisdom. But I want you to see the best that this world has is nothing, it's only ground high. Only goes about that. Worldly wisdom is. As high as a man's mind, godly wisdom transcends. But you cannot know and you cannot have godly wisdom without knowing the Creator. Without knowing that one that has given wisdom. Without having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you have that relationship? True wisdom comes from God. You know Christ. You know that He gives wisdom and it permeates your life, and it means that in that general broad term, but it means that because of our general life we're going to do very specific acts one at a time that make up our whole lifestyle. So we are walking in wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. That's where we started all of this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We've seen all the And the Bible speaks so much about wisdom. I had a hard time to leave some things out. And you might say, Preacher, you didn't leave anything out. (laughs) You got it all in there. But I want you to see that knowing Christ leads to a greater dimension in your life than this world can ever comprehend. Do you know Him as Lord and Savior? Do you know Christ? Have you been born again? That's where it has to start. He gives a new nature. He gives a new... You become a new creation in Christ. Won't you just begin
0: with the right? Thank you for listening. We hope you've enjoyed the message. If you want to hear Paul in person and are in the Stockton, California area, we invite you to join us at Landmark Missionary Baptist Church, 301 East Alpine Avenue. That's near the University of the Pacific. He brings the Bible message every Sunday at 11 a.m. and other times as listed. We trust you've been encouraged, challenged, or generally built up spiritually. If this lesson has sparked questions on this or other topics, please see our contact information in the description or email us at sclofministry at gmail.com. We look forward to hearing from you.